Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recording live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter. Check us out at, at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bo Knows Show. You'll find it. We're always sharing some good shit on there. Check that out. You can also email us anytime at CoachBoNoShow at gmail.com. This is episode 91. Okay, folks, it's been about two weeks. It's been a little while. I'm going to catch you everybody up to what's going on. Kind of let people know why have I not been on. It's been, uh, I think, 17 days since the last podcast. And we usually have at least one a week. Sometimes, most of the time, too. Look, it's summertime. I've been busy. I've been going through a lot of things with the business, with work, and just taking a little bit of time for myself as well, trying to get through some things. So I'm going to talk about it for a few minutes, and then I'm going to get into some baseball and some and some football and some other stuff. But, uh, hey, here's what's going on. Um, I'm doing good. I uh, had kind of, I like this. I don't want to say it this way and sound bad, but a little bit of a health scare about three or four weeks ago. Uh, about four or five weeks ago, I guess. And nothing major, uh, more of a panic attack than anything else. Um, I have been working with a great doctor here in Lawrence, and we did a, a massive blood test to check out everything. And surprisingly, I my levels on just about damn near everything were fantastic. Um, what we figured out is I got a little bit of a deficiency in a place that we are working with. And I, I'll be real blunt, I put on some weight. Put on a lot of weight, and I'm working to get that down. We're doing some walking. We're doing some extra things to kind of get the things going, watching what I eat a lot better. Mama's taking care of me at home. Jen's going to be, she's been doing great and handling me and taking good care of me, uh, trying to not work as long and as late as I have been. I've gotten into a bad habit of that. I am, as I say that, I am working Wednesday night doing this podcast, but um this is usually the time when I'm doing the Jones Report. The Jones Report doesn't have an episode this week, so I'm over here with you guys. But I wanted to give an update because I know there was a couple of good friends that reached out to me because they had heard some things, and a couple of folks were worried. I want everybody to know I'm doing great. Like I said, just had a, a more of a in my brain than anything else. So let's hope that, uh, you know, you're man, you're nearing 50. Sometimes those things get in your brain, and... Sometimes you just don't feel as good as you used to. I'm working with a great doctor here in Lawrence who's really helping me. And I will say, especially the last 14 days, the last two weeks, I have felt a lot better. And I feel some things coming back to me. I feel, I feel more energetic. I do feel like I have more sustained energy. Now it's a matter of really having to buckle down and lose some weight and get some stuff. So if you're listening, hey, look. Feel free to email, text, tweet at me, whatever it might be, and say, hey, we're rooting for you, or hey, go fuck yourself, whichever way you want to do it. Um, if you see me around the street, you see something, say something. I'm I'm an open book. If you know me well enough, you know that. So uh, I'm excited about some different life changes and things where I'm doing with my health and going to do better that way. Um, I was very pleased to learn that it was not major, major life-changing stuff that, oh my God, you're going to have to go on heavy medications or anything. No extra medications. 
a couple supplements, just things that people my age should be taking anyway. So I will say, men, if you're my age, if you're in your 40s, you're starting to feel tired, you feel run down, uh, maybe some things aren't working, you're not, you're, not as, you're not as happy as you were, you're not able to do some of the physical stuff that we used to be able to do, or if you like me, you put on some weight as well, go see the doctor. Um, I really avoided it for really about a year, and I really couldn't avoid it anymore. So I went back in June and didn't really talk about it. Uh, a couple of close friends knew, and obviously the folks at home knew. But that was it. And so that's where I'm at. That's where things are going. That's why we haven't had a podcast in a couple of weeks, is I've just been busy taking care of those things and trying to also keep the business going and everything with that. It's a... It's been crazy. Um, so that's where we're at with that. I'm going to leave it right there. One more announcement. One thing I wanted to also do is I want to shout out somebody real quick. And that's my boy Elwood Ott, friend of the show. Um, this is Wednesday the 19th. That we're recording tonight. And I was so proud. Elwood Ott, if you've listened to the show, has been on the show a couple times now. He's a great friend. And... Elwood really works with a lot of folks in his community, the Native American community, uh, really all through the country, especially here in Lawrence, but all around the country, working with different tribes and some different things in the health factors. And one thing he really has worked with people on, especially younger people, is suicide prevention. Uh, I'm not going to tell his full story. That's his story to tell. But I was going to say O'Connor Advisory Group, my company, was proud this morning to help sponsor um, an, a teenage and, teenage and youth basketball camp here in Lawrence that Elwood ran. Um, he had a couple of XKU players in helping. Um, just um, absolutely phenomenal turnout. Uh, it was 180 kids is what he texted me earlier was the final number. And I, I just couldn't be. I'm over the moon happy for him. Um, we're going to be... Um, working with him in the future on that. We're going to be doing something bigger, I think, moving forward. Uh, Elwood did this thing. He brought in some guys. Mario Chambers was there. Uh, Darnell Jackson. Um, I really I stopped by this morning for about an hour. I watched the camp, and the kids were having a great time. They were really learning some stuff. But it wasn't just on-the-court stuff. Some really cool things they were talking in smaller breakout sessions about going through some of the things that teens go through. And Elwood, my hat is off to you, brother. I'm really proud of you. I'm proud to call you my friend. And um, I can't wait to see and to be a part of, hopefully, what you're doing next. I know we've done a lot of talking in the last few weeks, and I couldn't be happier or more proud for my friends. So uh, shout out to Elwood Ott and the uh, Born Ready, the Isaiah Ott Foundation that he is forming uh, there are going to be some really cool stuff. And O'Connor Advisory Group, we're going to be sponsoring that thing and being doing anything we can to help in that way. So thanks again, Elwood, for letting us be a part of your day. And uh, I couldn't tell you how happy I am. I'm just excited all around. Before we get into um, – we're going to do a lot of Major League Baseball talk today. Before we do, I want to talk about a great sponsor. So here's a sponsor of the podcast, DraftKings. Hey, DraftKings is where it's at. Uh, you know, this time of year, it can be a little slow. And I want to shout out my boy Tyler Jones from the Jones Report, who hooked me up, gave me a little, 
I don't want to say inside scoop, but he has more knowledge in the NASCAR area than I do and got me a winner last week on Martin Truex. He hit me with that last week and a few days in advance, and I put a little small thing on Martin Truex, and, boy, when that cashed Monday morning, I was extremely happy. So you can get down on NASCAR. You can get down on golf right now, Major League Baseball, NFL Futures, all sorts of cool stuff. Check the link in our show notes. You click on that referral link, go into DraftKings, sign up. Your first deposit, you're going to get up to $100 in free bets. So you put in $100, they're going to give you $100. You put in $50, they are going to give you $50. But up to $100 in free bets on your first deposit. Get in there, have a little fun. And now we have the Coach Bo Knows podcast group on DraftKings. So a place where we can share bets. If you follow the podcast on Twitter, you'll see that over the past seven days, I've been posting some of my picks. And so I'm welcoming everybody. If you're a listener, join in. Uh, you know, Reply to us. Give us your picks. If you're on DraftKings, jump in to our group and share. It's a great way to, communicate, to be a community help out. It's a lot of fun, and, you know, football season's only around the corner. We're only about a month and a half away. Four, I think we're on 40 days until football starts. So we're almost there, folks. I want to thank DraftKings again for sponsoring the pod. Again, click the show notes. Click the link in there. Run over to DraftKings from there. It'll take you right into DraftKings. Get you signed right up. First deposit, $100 free bets. And we thank DraftKings for being a part of the podcast. All right, um, Major League Baseball. We're at the we were a little past the halfway point now. The All Star Game happened about ten days ago. We're about a week in from the All Star Game, and we are about a little under two weeks from the trade deadline, which is August first. And there's a lot going on, so I want to get in here. This is my sport. You know, I'm a, I'm a football and baseball guy, and there has been a ton happening. Right now, if you look at the standings of what's going on and where we're at compared to the beginning of the year, if you recall, first six weeks of the year, Tampa Bay Rays were just murdering everybody. They had a 10-game lead at one point in the American League East. As we're recording, the Baltimore Orioles have passed the Rays. They've won eight of the last ten, including taking two out of three in a series at home against the Dodgers. Uh, the Rays have lost seven of the last ten, and every team in the American League East has a pl- over 500 record. The Boston Red Sox, my Boston Red Sox, are only two games out of the wild card, which is shocking because they're not a very good team. But the American League East is phenomenal. We've got five teams in there. Um, the Red Sox and the Yankees cannot win that division. The Jays would need some major help being five and a half games back. Red Sox eight back, the Yankees nine back. Um, but the Orioles and the Rays, the Orioles are hotter than donut grease right now. And their pitchings come around, and they're just mashing runs. I don't think people are talking about them. People are talking about, you know, there's a lot of the Ellie De La Cruz stuff, and he's exciting as hell. And there's a lot of talk, you know, I think the awake, the big giant has been awoken over in the National League and the Dodgers. But... The Orioles have just beat the Dodgers two out of three in Camden Yards. 
And this Orioles team, with the trade deadline coming, do not be surprised if they make a trade or two to bring in a couple of veteran bats, whether it's a starter, whether that's going to be, um, you know, a couple of guys to pitch hit late in games, you know, a real true DH, um, and then maybe even a starting pitcher. I think we could see Lucas Giolito from the White Sox go over to the Orioles. I would not be shocked if the Baltimore Orioles is the place that Shohei Otani ends up. I think it would be the perfect place for him. Um, I think the Orioles and the Giants, I'm going to get into Shohei next, but uh, I look for the Orioles to be buyers because they've got a chance to le- not just legitimately win the American League East, but they got the best record in the American League. And I think they have a legit chance of winning the World Series. I think they have one of the best young players in baseball, Adley Rutschman. Uh, if you were watching the All-Star game on the Home Run Derby, uh, there was a big, you know, Adley Rutschman was in it. They made a huge deal out of him batting, you know, play, to actually switch hitting in the Home Run Derby. That was a lot of fun, and we'll get back to that later on the Home Run Derby stuff. But it, it, I'm a big fan of what they're doing in Baltimore. They've done it on the cheap with young players so far. They've got room to grow that team and to go add a few pieces that they could really make a run here. In that same division, I talked about the Rays earlier. The Rays came out, I mean, they what was they won, I think it was 14 of the first 15 games. And they've cooled off quite a bit. You know, lost four in a row now. They've uh, this, um, three and seven in the last 10. The Orioles are now two games ahead of them. The Jays are only four games back. And the Jays are getting hot as well. So watch that American League East and see what happens there. That's going to get interesting. We're in a three-team race for that division. I do think the Orioles, they make a couple of moves. I think that's the best team in the division right now. I know I was with the Jays in the beginning of the year. I still think they have the most talented team. But I think the Orioles have the best team currently. And uh, that Orioles bullpen, the back end of it, whoo, I'm a big fan of Batista there at the end. He he throws smoke, and uh, he's hard, they're hard to beat. Also in the American League, the other team I've been looking to look at, these Texas Rangers are not going away. The Rangers now have a four-and-a-half game lead in the West. Um, you know, they won seven in the last ten. They are, they're never out of a game. You know, we, we, we I joke that I bet a lot of games, but... I watch a lot of the Rangers because they'll be in a game and it'll be in the third inning and they're down three to two or two to one or even, you know, get into the sixth and it's five, four, their opponent. And next thing you know, in the eighth and ninth, the Rangers bats come alive and they score four runs and win by three. It keeps happening time and time again. If you saw the All-Star game, they had a great moment. I think it was the third inning or the fourth inning. When six Rangers were on the field, uh, the five starters, I think it was, I guess it was below the point, I think it was the second or third inning. Uh, I think about it, you had the five starters, and then Evaldi came in. Um, as a Red Sox fan, I can't believe we didn't hang on to Nathan Evaldi. Uh, but yeah, he's now an all star with the Rangers. That Rangers lineup is loaded. We got this chance to see them earlier in the year. My kiddo, uh, Peyton, and I were actually down in Houston, and we're at a Rangers Astros game, but the Rangers won. And that lineup, you just don't know the names of a lot of those guys, but they have done a very nice job 
of putting together a team. I mean, everyone knows, you look at that team and you go, well, we know Corey Seager. Um, if you're a baseball person, maybe you know who Marcus Simeon is. But I'm looking at this team and I go, okay, Jonah Heim, uh, the catcher, an all-star. Josh Young, a uh, fantastic young player, an all-star this year. Nathaniel Lowe, if you haven't seen this guy hit, he hit with a monster. Marcus Simeon has been, and obviously Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager are the two free agents they brought in. But those weren't big, big name free agents. And uh, they've been great. Adolis Garcia, again, made the all-star team this year, uh, was in the home run derby. Fantastic. And he's fantastic late in games. He's not just your power guy that hits the ball over the fence. Timely hits, and this team can timely hit like nobody else in the American League. I think this team's going to go far, too. And, you know, they don't have their biggest gun, pitching-wise, not having uh, Jacob DeGrom. And they won't, probably won't get DeGrom back. I think he had the um, Tommy John surgery, so he probably won't be back till next season. But good God, I mean, that team is young, they're talented, and I can see them being buyers going into the trade deadline. So uh, the Rangers are, I think it also helps the Rangers right now in the West that we're seeing some separation. The Rangers have taken, you know, a four and a half game lead over the Astros. The Astros have been riddled with injury, especially in the starting, the start, the starting pitching staff. Their bullpen's been awful. You know, last year, the Astros had the best bullpen ERA in baseball, but they also had the fewest innings by any bullpen in baseball. And I think that's what's hurting them this year, is that once the Astros get past Framber Valdez, they go starters 2-3-4, none of those guys can go deep in a game. And often enough, they don't go even deep enough into the fifth, sixth inning. They're coming out inning three, inning four, and those, that bullpen's getting tired and getting extended. I mean, even the closer, Presley, is having issues. Uh, it has blown a couple saves here in the last couple weeks. The rest of that division, the Angels, you know, are nine back. And I'm going to get into Otani in a minute because I have a deep thing I want to talk about there. But the Angels are not going to be in this. They're not, in the, they're not really in the, in the run here. Now it's for them time for them to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? With Otani, um, the Angels are currently five games back of the wild card, but you're looking at having to pass the Yankees, the Red Sox, and either the Astros, Jays, or Rays. Just not likely to happen. So the Angels are going to have to make a really hard decision in the next two weeks with what to do with Shohei Otani and go from there. Um, after that, you get the Mariners, who boy showed us some glimpses in May in early June, and they have since fallen off. The offense just isn't there. They don't score a lot of runs. Uh, they are near the bottom of runs scored in the league, and their starting pitching staff has been bad. Uh, Luis Castillo is still very, very good, but even he is having issues when that offense can't score any runs, and their bullpen is not particularly good either. And then you got Oakland with the worst record in baseball in that division. I do think Oakland's better than Kansas City, who right now I think is a game ahead of Oakland for the worst record in baseball. And there's a couple of pieces on that A's team I like. I like Ryan Nada. I like um, 
uh, Brett Brooker, uh, Brett Brooker, the outfielder, and uh, they just took two out of three from my Red Sox. That's really disturbing to me. So, uh, one of my bets I've been doing for a while now is I take whoever's playing the A's if they have a, a positive 500 record, and uh, the Red Sox let me down two out of three games this week. So, uh, in the American League again, I still I like the Orioles now in the East. Uh, in the Central, you got one team. It's the Twins. They're the best team in the Central. Nobody else is at 500. The Guardians aren't good enough to catch the Twins. The Tigers are dog shit. The White Sox are even worse. And the Royals are the worst team in baseball, if you ask me. Um, they're not even trying. I suspect the Guardians, Tigers, and White Sox to all be sellers the deadline. Um, if they have any pieces they can deal, they're going to. And the Royals, they, I would say they'll be sellers, but they don't have a whole lot to sell. So we'll see what happens. They've already sold off. Aroldis uh, Ch- Chapman's gone already. A couple other pieces they could do. If I'm the Kansas City Royals, you know you're in a complete and utter rebuild. I think that the Kansas City Royals owe it to Salvador Perez to get him in a room with ownership and to say, Salvi, we appreciate everything you've been. And I'm going to tell you this. I think Salvador Perez is the second most important person in the history of the Kansas City Royals. I think only George Brett is more important to the Kansas City Royals than Salvador Perez. I think Salvador Perez is a future Hall of Famer. I think the Kansas City Royals need to trade Salvador Perez. He's still got a couple years on his deal. You can have club control in a trade here. I think you go to Salvador Perez and you say, where do you want to play, big guy? And get him somewhere where he can catch... Be a veteran catcher, somewhere where he can also DH. Um, that's a situation where if you're the Royals, having Salvador Perez become more of a DH than a catcher in the future, which is what's going to happen, isn't good because you got young guys need at-bats. So I think that takes at-bats away from guys. I think they ought to call the Texas Rangers. I think they ought to call the Houston Astros. Um I believe they should call the Cincinnati Reds and, and even maybe the Diamondbacks and say, we can get you Salvador Perez, get us a couple of prospects, and then make the deal with Perez and say, hey, look, we appreciate everything you've done, and we're going to treat you right. We're gonna, the moment you retire, we're going to sign you to the one-day contract, come retire a Royal, guarantee you put his fucking number up, and you retire his number, but do right by him. Do right by him now and get him out of Kansas City and not let him have to suffer on bad teams. If you haven't seen it, and where I'm at on this, and the reason I'm so passionate about this, the last couple of years, I've seen Salvador Perez at the All-Star Games, and there is nobody in baseball amongst the players more respected than Salvador Perez especially in the league with so many young Latin American players, he's the godfather of those guys. He's the godfather of the current generation of Latin players. He's done it right. He's taken less money to stay in Kansas City. He, you know, he signed a contract a few years ago. He could have held out, made a little more, made a lot more money. But he gave up a couple of free agent years when he didn't have to, to do right by the Royals. And when the Royals, that 2015-2016 run was over, they didn't do right by Salvador Perez. They sent everybody else packing, and it made Salvi carry the load. 
And that's what they're doing now, and that ain't right. So if you're going to go to the rebuild, go to the rebuild. But do right by Salvador Perez because he's done you right, Kansas City. I'm talking to the Royals management, the Royals ownership. The fucking fans know. Royals fans know exactly what I'm talking about. The Royals fans love and appreciate Salvador Perez and what he's been to this organization. So do right, Kansas City Royals, and do something with Salvador Perez here these next couple of weeks. Um, over to the National League. This is a two-team race as far as I'm concerned now. The Atlanta Braves have the best record. They have the best record in baseball now. They have gotten hotter than donut grease, as I was saying earlier. Um, they're 10 games ahead in the division. They are seven games ahead in the, in the league uh, above the Dodgers. I do think that's going to, gap's going to not wide. I think it's going to close up. I do think the Dodgers are the sleeping giant that has been awoken. I've been watching them for the last two weeks. A lot of late night games and seeing it. You can see that Dodgers team is finally waking up. Their pitching staff's getting better. They put a couple of moves into the bullpen. The bullpen's looking a little better. Clayton Kershaw's getting healthy and he's pitching well. Uh, Urias, he didn't pitch great today, but Urias is still pitching well. And I look at it and I go, I think it's a two team race Atlanta and the Dodgers. Um, I'm going to go to Atlanta first. I think Atlanta has, I've said this before, I think he is the most impressive young player in baseball. It's Ronald Acuna Jr. Ronald Acuna Jr. right now at the All-Star break had 46 stolen bases. Um, 20 home runs and 40 stolen, 46 stolen bases. Now, in the history of Major League Baseball, only four players have had 40 home runs and 40 stolen bases in the same year. That's the, the first one was Jose Canseco, then Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, Alfonso Soriano, and 06 was the last one. Ronald Acuna Jr. is sitting at 47 or 48 stolen bases. Now let me pull this up as I'm doing this, and that makes for great um, makes for a great time. We sit here just kind of looking for stats on this. I should have had this ready. He is sitting currently at 23 home runs, and we are 94 games in. He is currently at 44 stolen bases. I'm sure it was 40 at the All-Star break. He's at 44 now. He has the 40 stolen bases. He's at 23 home runs. 23? 23 home runs with 65 games to go. Okuno's going to get the 17 home runs. He's going to make it to 40-40. And he's going to be the MVP of the, of the National League. He is the best young player. He's 25 years old. He's exciting as hell. Plays an incredible outfield. Um, he may be the... He, if he's not the best right fielder, he's in the argument. Uh, I think him and Mookie Betts are my two favorites in that. Mookie, my favorite player. But those are the two best right fielders, I think, in all of baseball. Um, he's exciting and... What Acuna has done this season is he's cut down his strikeouts. He's walking more. One year ago, Acuna in 119 games had 53, 53 walks. In 94 games right now, he's at 48. He's seen more pitches. Um, I saw a stat last night. I don't have it in front of me, but I saw the stat last night with two strikes. Ronald Acuna is batting something like 290 
right now, which is an incredible number with two strikes. Let's be really blunt. Last year, that number was 179. Now, that's normal with two strikes to bat near, near or below 200. But Acuna is right now, he's not in the batting championship because the rise is way ahead, but he's sitting at 330. You know, he's going he's gonna to hit 40 home runs, already over 40 stolen bases. He's going to probably be near, be near 60 or 70 when the season's done. Uh, plays a gold glove right field, a great arm. That's your MVP in the National League, and I don't think it's going to be close. And I think he is the reason that the Braves have a really good chance of pulling this off. And the Braves, I think, are still going to add a piece, and I think the Dodgers are going to look at a couple of pieces. When I look at the Dodgers, I look at them and I say, okay, this is a team that was kind of in the battle of the Diamondbacks, the Giants, and the Dodgers. Diamondbacks, I couldn't believe were there with them. Um, were really running it up in the first half. The Dodgers have been the awakened giant. Their run difference, they've scored 91 more runs than their opponents. In the National League, only the Braves have more. Uh, the, the Braves have actually scored 143 more runs than their opponents this season. Um, I did find it interesting that in the National League West, every team but the Rockies has scored more than their opponents. The Diamondbacks and Giants play a little closer than everybody else, and the Padres have been bad, uh, which is a shame with that payroll and what they've done there. They have an exciting team, but they just don't show it on the field. Uh, but the Dodgers are the second-best team right now, but they're getting hot. And as the pitching gets better, as that bullpen comes together, and I think they add a piece to the bullpen. Uh, the Dodgers will buy, be a buyer here at the end. I think the Braves will be a buyer. There'll be two different things they're looking at. I think the Braves will go for a veteran bat to bring off the bench, maybe a starter. I think the Dodgers look at a starter and definitely some bullpen help. Um, I think the Dodgers' bench is just already strong enough, and defensively they're good enough. It has really helped that Mookie Betts has played shortstop and second base. I think he's played 46 games at second base now this year, um, which is unbelievable. He's been really good. You just don't see that with many superstar players. They change position like that, and especially going from the outfield to the infield. You can see it the other way around. The one I always remember is Robin Yount, uh, the old Milwaukee Brewer, who went from shortstop to center field. That's a little more common with a, with a star player. In his case, someone who won the MVP at both positions. Um, Mookie Betts has got a shot at being MVP. I think Acuna beats him in the end, but. Um, Outstanding there. Now, what I will say on the Dodgers, what also is helping them, and the reason that the Sleeping Giants woken up, is 1-2-3 in that lineup is the best 1-2-3 in baseball. Mookie Bass leads off, Freddie Freeman hit the second, and Will Smith the third, the catcher. Will Smith's the under most underrated player in the National League, if you ask me. He's always in the middle of driving in runs. It helps when you have Mookie Betts getting, in front of, getting on in front of you. But I do think that Mookie Betts, and uh, Freddie Freeman, batting one and two. Those are two future Hall of Famers. I was talking to somebody. I was actually at a DraftKings event a couple weeks ago, and I was talking to a couple of guys who one of them was a Dodgers fan, and I said, the Dodgers one-two is the greatest one-and-two combo in a lineup in baseball history. There's never been a one-two that good. 
I started thinking about it. I started thinking of all the teams that Ricky Henderson played for. And was the great, he's the greatest leadoff hitter ever. I couldn't think of a two-hitter that was Freddie Freeman's level. I couldn't think of anything that I could put together. The only thing I could put together in recent memory was the Astros with Carlos Correa, uh, Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve. But even they are not to the Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman level. And I think that's in the end why I like the Dodgers to overtake the Braves in the playoffs. I think they'll get it close before the end of the season. I feel like the Braves win the East, the Dodgers win the West. I think they're both going to win it by a big margin in each division. I think in the end, it's so hard to keep the front end of that Dodger lineup to keep them from scoring runs. The Braves, I think you look at you look at you got Acuna, you got Matt Olson. Matt Olson's having a hell of a season as Freddie Freeman's replacement there in Atlanta. But when you look at those two, there's still a couple spots in that lineup that isn't quite as good as it could be. Even Austin Riley, the third baseman, who I, I think really highly of, I don't think he's quite as good as he can be or will be in the future. There's still some growing pains there, and he strikes out a lot for my for my taste. So, a lot going on there. Trade deadline's coming. For those that don't know what that is, so Major League Baseball has a trade deadline. Just like other sports, now it's August the 1st at 4 o'clock Eastern. There can be trades after that. However, every player in the trade after August 1st at 4 p.m. Eastern must clear waivers. And nobody clears waivers, unless they have a ridiculous contract nobody wants to take on. So we're going to see some teams now who are going to have to take a hard look at who they are and what their expectation is for the rest of this season and for 2024 and say, what are we going to do? And I'll tell you the three teams I'm looking at, I want to see what they decide. One we already kind of know. And that's the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, their general manager came out uh, last week, I think it was, and said, we'll be making some trades at the deadline. The Cardinals have a couple of guys they're going to have to move. I don't know if they trade Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt. Um, and they got Goldschmidt under contract for one more year. I think they got Arenado for two. Don't quote me as the gospel on that one. But I do know the Goldschmidt one was the rest of this year and next year. I think that Goldschmidt does get traded. I think that he's going to be, if Otani's not traded, I think Goldschmidt becomes, possibly becomes the biggest move in this next couple of weeks. I do think that could happen. But then the, the Cardinals also have three or four young players, including a couple of young pitchers, that they could trade and get some real nice prospects coming back for. Here's my thoughts on this. And I'll talk about this. Well, Carl, we're the Cardinals. I'll talk about the Fox in a second. Cardinals are there. We already know they're going to make some trades. They've already said it. The Mets and the Padres are the other two I'm looking at. The Mets ownership came out. We got a new owner. The Mets do. The Mets came out, and their new owner came out. He's the new owner this past season. Spent a shitload of money. I mean, it's an absolute shitload to, to build that team. Went and got ridiculous free agents like Verlander, Scherzer, Added everywhere they could add, and they have just absolutely shit the bet. They're five games under 500. They're 16 back in the division. 
I respect what the owner said. You know, I'm not an owner's guy usually. Uh, to give you an idea, the Mets are also seven back of a wild card with four teams between them and the, the in that in those that. So they're out. Usually I'm not a guy who stands with ownership. But I do like what the owner said here where he said, look, players have got to play better. You know, I, we gave him a lot. And he did it in a way, when the ownership came out and said this, he did it in a way where he, he didn't say, oh, fuck you, you players, you're not playing well. It was, hey, we had expectations. I'm not going to add. I just don't think it's the right thing to do because we're not moving forward anywhere, anywhere right now. So we'll see what happens. I'd like to see, I wonder if that means Max Scherzer is available. Does that mean Justin Verlander is available? Boy, it'd be dangerous if one of those two guys ends up in Los Angeles. If one of those two guys ends up with the Giants trying to make a wild card spot. What if Minnesota were to grab one? You know they're going to win the Central. What if the Twins were to grab one of those guys and go, okay, Here's what we can do to give us a fighting chance against the Rangers and the Rays and the Orioles. So there's some, there's some things you can do if you're the Twins. The other two teams talked about the Orioles earlier. Are they going to be buyers, and could they make a deal for one of those pitchers with the, with the Mets? And then the Reds, who I think to me is the most surprising team in baseball this season, uh, the Reds are in the playoffs. I mean, they're they're in the wild card race. They're right in there. They have one of the most exciting players. If you haven't seen Ellie De La Cruz yet, he's setting every stat cast stat you can have, uh, throwing the ball the hardest in the history of stat cast, running as fast as you can run. I saw a great picture of him with Pete Rose. I'll have to retweet that. I, I may already have on the Coach Bono's podcast Twitter. Um, but him and he's walking with Pete Rose in an event, and he just towers over Pete Rose. A lot of excitement. The Reds also got Joey Votto back from his injury. And he's not, Joey Votto's a future Hall of Famer. He's a guy who's not batting three or four in that lineup anymore. He's batting six. He's being the veteran presence and kind of knowing where he's at now. And I really respect that a lot with Joey Votto. Um, you know, it's a guy that for his sake, he's kind of in that Salvador Perez thing where it's like, hey man, he's had to deal with some bullshit. Now, in Votto's case, they actually are building a pretty good young team around him. Not so much in Salvador Perez's case. So, let's see what happens if the Mets end up selling. What do the Padres do? Padres have just got a loaded team when you look at the names. Soto, Datis, Bogarts, Cronenworth. I mean, their lineup... They're all they're Machado. They're all all-stars. And yet, they're just, they play like shit this season. Padres are 46 and 50 as I, as I speak now, right? Below, under 500. Nine and a half back in the West, behind the Diamondbacks, the Giants, and the Dodgers. Padres uh, have got uh, runs scored, 434 runs, which is second to last in the division. It's near the back side of the whole league. They've been a disappointment. They're only a game above 500 at home. They really don't play well on the road. And they're just not solid pitching at all. I suspect that team, one of those players, I don't think it's Bogarts because he's a newer newer uh, project there, and Tatis is probably staying. 
Uh, there's no way to trade with Soto, but look for Cronenworth. Could somebody take Machado, Manny Machado off their hands? I don't know. That Could the Twins do that, maybe? Could, could somebody else? Could the Astros look at him as a DH and play, um, you know, they, they're still waiting on Jordan Alvarez to get back. That's something you can think of. I don't know. There's a lot to consider there. So um, I do think the Padres trade Josh Hader, the closer, before the end of the season. He's too big a he doesn't have much, he doesn't have any more time left on his contract after this season. He'll be a free agent, get something for him. It isn't like the Padres need a closer right now, because they're not going to be closing any games in the playoffs. So I suspect someone goes and gets Josh Hader. Um, so those are my like teams that are selling. The Mets, the, the Cardinals, the Padres. A team that I think's not selling. But a team that's got a player to sell has the biggest player to sell, and that's the Angels. Los Angeles Angels, Shohei Otani. Let's talk about it because I think this is interesting. One year ago, Shohei Otani was about to become the MVP of the league. He's this fascinating player. You know, he's a great pitcher, but he's an even better offensive player. He's leading the league in home runs. He's going to win the American League MVP if he stays in the American League. Um, an interesting, interesting situation. The Angels have totally and completely fucked this up. One year ago, the Angels should have extended Shohei Otani. They should have said, look, it's 10 years, it's $50 million a year, here's your money. Now, but there was a reason they didn't. One, I don't think they want to set a, a precedent. I think they were also hoping that Otani, I don't think they wanted him to play less than he played last year, but I think they wanted was that a one-year sensation, even though he's been great his entire career in, 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 in L.A. Um, but the biggest thing that happened there was one year ago, about this time, Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels, decided he was going to sell the Angels. And so you think, okay, you're going to sell the Angels. Well, if you show Hey Otani, do you have to, if you're the owner, do you have to extend Shohei Otani? Does that make it harder to sell your team? The Angels decided at that time, Moreno did, that it was going to be worse for him to sign Otani to a long-term deal and put that deal on the books than it was for him to let Otani go and get less for the team. Now, this spring, after last year, Otani doesn't sign. There's no extension. And Otani has um, not signed an extension and the Angels' ownerships decided they're not selling the team. So now you go, wait a minute, you're not selling the team. But what are you going to do about Otani? And now you're stuck, Chuck, because you got a player who is selling a shitload of tickets. I don't know if you've seen him, but when he pitches, it's a sellout. The other thing they'll realize, and I, I challenge you to do this, when Shohei Otani pitches... Look at the signage behind home plate. 
There's always some of the advertisements on the two rolls. There's always some that are in Japanese. They're Japanese companies. Because back in Japan, they're watching every start. They're watching every time he pitches. They're watching as many of his home games as possible. They're watching everything they can. Well, the, well, the, A's, the Angels know this. I'm sorry, the Angels know this. And what the Angels have not done a good job of is saying, how do we keep this sensation going? Even if it was a month ago, even if it was today, you've got to extend Shohei Otani. you just got to walk in there, suck it up, and say, all right, ten, the, the, the deal is 10 years, the deal is $500 million, or $550. If you got to pay him $550, pay him. Pay him more than Judge. He deserves more than Judge. The reason they haven't done it, the first reason, was the ownership's indifference to what they were going to do moving forward because they were going to sell the team. The second reason, they've already got a big contract with Mike Trout. Mike Trout may be the best baseball player I've ever seen in my life. And I still think he's the best player in baseball. I, he got the best career of any player in baseball right now. I still think he's the best all-around player. But what also hurt him is this is the same franchise that gave Albert Pujols a 10-year deal when he was 33 years old. Otani's not that. Otani's not 33 years old. Otani's not a big guy that relies on pure power. Otani's 29. Otani's a real, I don't want to say he's a real athlete. He, he, he is a real athlete, but what I mean by that is, is that he, Pujols was a bigger guy, and as he got older, he became a power hitter and less of an athletic player, as most people do when they get in their late 30s, it's just the nature of being that age. Shohei Otani is as good an athlete as anybody in baseball, if not better than most all of them. He's 29 years old, and business-wise, it makes a lot of sense. What do you do? If you're the Angels, the Angels have totally fucked this up. The Angels should have signed him. This should already be a done deal. And now they haven't, and they're going to trade him, and they're not going to get anything back in this deal. You know, they're going to say they want two top 100 prospects, but it's always been my opinion. And there's been times where it hasn't worked out, but you look at it in the long run. The teams that get the big the big player usually win the win the trade. The known quantity is better than the unknown quantity. Now there are times, you know, the one that always the Red Sox fan, the one that comes to mind is always the Red Sox trading Jeff Bagwell to get Larry Anderson. You know, a guy who, Larry Anderson, a pitcher, a fine pitcher, but a relief pitcher who wasn't going to do a whole lot, you trade a future Hall of Fame first baseman for him. Those do happen, and that's a big problem. But I'd be willing to take my two biggest prospects, ship them to L.A., and bring me Otani back, especially in the business sense of it to me. It makes a ton of sense. So my question then becomes, where does Shohei Otani end up? You know, the, the obvious place that people keep talking about is the Yankees. I don't know the Yankees can do this. 
they can will vase the question. They've already given Judge a lot of money. They've got Giancarlo Stanton, who's getting a bunch of money. Rizzo has a bunch of money. They've wasted money. They got Garrett Cole has a big contract. They've already spent a ton of money on that roster. And that roster has holes on it. Otani can help fill those holes. But you're looking at going way past a lot of the luxury tax issues if you add Shohei Otani. And it's going to cost the Yankees their number one prospect, Jason Dominguez, who I know a lot of people think they're calling him the Martian. A lot of people think that Jason Dominguez is going to be the next in the Acuna, um, Otani, Fernando Tatis role, where they're just that big, exciting young player. You know, if I'm the Yankees, yeah, I make the deal. I'm not sure they're going to. So I'm going to throw a couple of names out here for you. This one I heard, I think it was Eric Karras, said this on Fox this past week. The San Francisco Giants. That one makes a ton of sense to me. The Giants have not spent a lot of money. They do not really have a franchise player. They are very competitive. They are in the wild card race. And they have the ability to pay somebody. They're a larger, well-owned franchise. I look at that and I go, well, that makes a lot of sense. Otani makes a huge fit and fills two needs that the Giants really could use at the, at, the, at the end here. And so if I'm the Giants, the Giants right now, as you said, they are tied for second in National League West. Two games back of the Dodgers. So if you got a chance to, to get with the Dodgers, adding Otani would be great. They are the second wild card right now. Actually, the other Diamondbacks are tied for that first wild card spot. So right now you're in if you're the Giants. Adding Otani to the pitching staff, even if he can't pitch but every sixth game. And adding Otani as the DH makes a lot of sense to me. The team that I think needs to jump out and make that deal is the San Francisco Giants. I think it's a great one. The other teams to think about, the Houston Astros have been riddled with injuries. Otani could fill a huge role. That's in the division, so I don't see that necessarily happening. And I think the Astros may not have what they need to have in the farm system. They would probably have to trade or Jordan Alvarez, um, maybe even Framber Valdez in the deal, and I don't think the Astros want to do that. The Minnesota Twins have a couple of good young prospects. Again, situation. Otani can come in and be your DH. You know, Gallo can just play right. He's doing it already. I think that makes a ton of sense. The other two, I think these are long shots, but I'd love to see it. The Cincinnati Reds? Here's my question. Would you trade Ellie De La Cruz to get Shohei Otani? Could you win without De La Cruz? The Reds have played well without De La Cruz. He's helped. But adding Otani, does that give the Reds what they need? They're two games back in the wild card right now. They could get back in that. Boy, it'd be exciting. And I don't know if he stays there. I mean, if you're making this trade, it's a temporary deal. You don't know if he's staying. So the Reds would be interesting. The other one that interests me is the Orioles. You know, like I said, I... 
I think the Orioles are the team that the one to watch for me in the American League is the Orioles. Could the Orioles, who have spent no money on anybody, could they be a team that says, hey, we can trade some young players. That team has got a whole bunch of young players. And you could take a create a couple of holes. You go trade a couple of these young players over to the Angels. Get Otani. Go get a couple of veteran guys to fill in, and all of a sudden, you've got a legit chance of finishing with the trophy in your hand at the end of the season. That'll be an interesting one to me. The one I'd like to see as a baseball fan is the Giants. Um, what I'd like to see is Otani go somewhere, win, and then go to the Boston Red Sox in the offseason, but that's not going to happen either. But the Giants makes a lot of sense, and here's the other thing about the Giants, going back to that for a moment, is... The Giants could bring in Otani, make the deal, and then it's a rental, but it's not a rental. It's a, we want to show you who we are because we want you to be the centerpiece of our franchise. Otani has supposedly told his people he would like to play on the West Coast. He want, he likes the West Coast. He likes that it's easier for his games to be seen in Japan, that sort of thing. That makes a lot of sense to me. There is also a very huge Asian culture and population in the San Francisco area, in Northern California. Business-wise, that makes a lot of sense to me. All of a sudden, your, your TV rights deal is going to get bigger. You're going to be selling more merchandise. You're going to be having sponsors paying you more if you have Otani. You're going to get these sponsors from Japan paying you as well. To me, it makes a ton of sense to pay this man. I think the Giants are the team that could do it. Um, I was talking to somebody about it this week, and they threw the Dodgers out there and said, what about the Dodgers? And I said, I just can't see it for a couple of reasons. One, I don't see the Angels hate the Dodgers organization. They both share Los Angeles. The Angels will do anything to be the most dominant team in L.A. There's no way... They send Otani across town. Frankly, that's too much money moving forward for even the Dodgers. I know the Dodgers have spent a ton of money, but you've already got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and, and Clayton Kershaw, and they're going to have to pay Will Smith. They're going to have to pay Walker Bueller. They're going to have to pay Jose Urias. There's a lot of people they're going to have to pay in the next two or three off-seasons. I think Otani becomes a little too expensive. So we'll talk about Otani's free agency after the season because I think that's a different animal, and I do think that pot of teams gets much smaller. I think that's really a four-team race. But I think the one team that has an advantage in that right now is the Giants because they could get him now, and they could win now. And that's something that nobody else could probably promise. So let's see what happens with Shohei Otani. Um, those are my baseball things I wanted to go over right now. The trade deadline, everything going on there. Uh, one thing I did want to shout out because I haven't been on the pod since this happened. My LSU Tigers. First off, won the College Bowl Series. Was there ever any doubt? Not for me. I bet on them. So <laughs> I bet on them back in March. Uh, but hey, look... Um, they won the College World Series, but what they really did was they did something historic in the draft. 
Paul Skeens, the pitcher, Dylan Cruz, the center fielder, go one and two in the draft. The Pittsburgh Pirates take Skeens one. The Washington Nationals go hit Cruz two. Uh, I think a lot of folks thought the Pirates. Cruz was the number one pick throughout the whole season. Skeens' College World Series dominance, the two shutouts, the 200-plus pitch shutouts where he throws 103 and his average fastball was 99.9 miles an hour, uh, just ridiculous. That got him to number one. Also, Dylan Cruz's people saying, we're not signing for the slotted amount with the Pirates. Uh, what that means is, for folks who don't know, baseball draft works a little different. You don't take the best player always. Uh, it's about signing them. And Dylan Cruz, what happens is you have a, only a certain amount of money per team based on where you pick to sign all your draft picks. In baseball, sometimes you overpay bonuses to players to get them to sign, especially high school players who you don't want to go to college. Well, the Pirates are not exactly an organization a lot of teams want to play for. Dylan Cruz let it be known he didn't want to really play there and said, hey, I know that the number one overall slot is about a 9.2, 9.3 million guarantee. I want 11 or 12 if I'm going to get drafted by the Pirates. Now, he's not going to get that at the second pick to the Nationals. The Nationals are not going to pay him 11 million. But that wasn't the point. The point was he didn't want to play for the Pirates. And that was his, in his back pocket, saying, hey, I'll sit out of here. Somebody else is going to pick one next year. I'll go one next year. Um, so the Pirates pick Skeens. Skeens is going to be a great player. I'm curious to see, you know, Paul Skeens is the pitcher. He's a hard-throwing guy. Doesn't have as much movement as the hard-throwers in the majors. So I do think that they should not rush him to try to bring him up late this year or even beginning of the year next year. Um, he's got to learn a little more, uh, get a little more cut on his fastball, you know, to get it moving side to side a little bit, to get more foul tips and that sort of thing. Uh, once we see Skeens do that, and if he can break bats off at 97, 98 with a cutter, he's going to be hard to, to beat at the, at the major league level. The other question I wonder is, because of the nature of how hard he throws, We've seen in college him throw 100 pitches in the game many times. He had 220-plus pitch games in the College World Series. But will we see him possibly move to the back end of a bullpen and be a closer? Kind of a Josh Hader kind of thing. Um, kind of a Mario Rivera kind of thing. The difference is, is that Paul Skeens is a monster of a man. He's like six foot six, and he's a well, well-built guy. Um, so I'm interested to see that, but I'm rooting for my LSU Tigers. Dylan Cruz, they call him the uh, Mike Trout of the SEC. This guy is fantastic. He's going to be in the majors sooner than later. Um, I don't think it happens this year. I don't think it's next year either. I think it's 2025. But I suspect Dylan Cruz is the center fielder for the Washington Nationals in 2025. Uh, fantastic player. He'll sign quick. Skeens has signed with 9.2. Or 9.3 is what he got as a sign-in bonus. I haven't seen what Cruz has signed for, if he has signed yet. Uh, I've heard contrasting things there, but he'll sign and get into rookie ball here sooner than later. But, hey, my LSU Tigers dominating once again, 1-2 and two in the baseball draft. One more quick reminder about our great sponsor, Stitch Fix. 
Hey, Stitch Fix, usually we usually talk about Stitch Fix with Uncle Rico. It's here. We're going to have Uncle Rico back in a couple of weeks. It's going to be closer to the NFL season. But, hey, we want to get you involved right now. Jump in the show notes. Click on the link to Stitch Fix. Save $25 in your first box of Stitch Fix. It is a great way. You want to get some summer stuff for your wardrobe or, you know, God forbid we're in July now and we still got a couple more months of this heat. But you never know what's coming in the fall. And when the fall is coming, maybe you need some new threads. Stitch Fix has got you. They're easy to use. They've got a great app. Check them out. Use our link in the show notes. You're going to get $25 off your first box. I recommend it highly. I use it myself. I love it. I get a box every month. And I keep most of my stuff now. But my, uh, my stylist has really been helping me quite a bit. So i got to thank her. But uh, you're getting to know me a little bit on based on what I send back and what I keep. And I've kind of freshened up my wardrobe. You do the same thing. Check out Stitch Fix and check out the link in the show notes. Last thing I want to get into is a little bit of football. And then we're going to get up out of here uh, as I'm running right about where I wanted to be in an hour. Um, a couple things have kind of taken a bat here in the NFL side. And this is, uh, we have already passed the deadline for just recently this week of the guys who were on the franchise tags to sign long-term contracts. The three big ones were Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard uh, from the Giants, the Raiders, and the Cowboys, respectively. All did not sign long-term deals. And what we're seeing is these running backs are not getting paid. None of them are getting paid. Um, you know, even the Titans talking about trading Derrick Henry this offseason. I mean, think about that. Derrick Henry's the best running back in the league last five years. Um, Christian McCaffrey has got his money, but he's a little different back than everybody else. But if you look, these running backs are not getting paid. And now we've got these three guys, and I'm going to include Leonard Fournette, who's a free agent right now. None of these guys are signing anywhere. There are guys who are sitting out completely. Barkley, Jacobs, Pollard signed franchise, though they got franchise tagged. None of them signed the franchise deal. None of them will be in camp. Barkley's already saying publicly that he's not going to camp. And the, the option from here is to sit out because now these guys cannot sign long-term contracts with their current team. They can be traded and sign a long-term deal with another team. Maybe that gets done. But none of those three guys, so again, we're talking about Barkley, Jacobs, and Pollard, can now sign contracts past the 2023 season. Barkley's saying he'll sit out. The last guy to do this was Le'Veon Bell. If you remember, Le'Veon Bell was franchise tagged by the Steelers, sat out, became a free agent. The problem is, and these running backs are really screwed, in that since none of them are getting paid, the franchise tender is about $11 million, meaning that the amount they're getting for the one-year deal is an average of the top three at their position. It's $11 million. There's no other position in the league that low. Centers get paid more than that in the NFL. And these are three guys who are Pro Bowl caliber players. These are all three guys, different makers in their team. Josh Jacobs 
is the only weapon other than Devontae Adams on the entire Raider team. He's the only guy who you can put the ball in his hands every play. Barkley is the best player on the Giants team. Pollard is the best back on the Cowboys team and was the reason the Cowboys let Ezekiel Elliott go, who hasn't signed anywhere yet either. So these running backs, to me, they're getting screwed. I mean, these guys, I've, I've said for a few years now, I think running back's the most replaceable position in the NFL, and it's because of this. It's because there is no bell count. There is no guy that's going to carry the ball 300 times a season anymore. It's just not going to happen. Derrick Henry was the last one. And, you know, there's Jonathan Taylor with the Colts. But even Jonathan Taylor's getting a little bit of the wheels. The, the tread doesn't stay well on the tires. And the Colts know that. And they're not going to extend him again. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen with this running back situation. Because if you look, Barkley, Jacobs, Pollard, I hope they either I, – I hope for all three sake. Here's what I want to happen. I want all three of them to go back to their teams, play the whole season, have great fucking seasons. None of them get hurt. I pray for them to not get hurt, any of them. And then they go and get some money somewhere next season. Or they get traded somewhere now and get a longer-term deal. But again, you're also looking at it, there's a competition right now, and there's a couple other veterans out there. Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette. Those guys are going to end up somewhere. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be available sooner than later. You know, there's going to be other players that are available. And so now it's going to come down to, does somebody get hurt? Is there going to be someone who underperforms at camp? Let's see what happens. So the running back situation is going to be interesting. Uh, this one is something that really hasn't been talked about, but I saw this, and I think this is important to talk about. Uh, Zach Martin with the Cowboys. Um, Zach Martin is under contract with the Cowboys. Uh, this is the highest-rated center in the league. And um, he's not going to hold out. And what I'm hearing from certain people, I see it on Twitter, I see it, you know, in the message boards, and you even see it depending on what media you look at in sports. Player, people saying, well, Zach Martin shouldn't hold out. He has a contract. And he should be a team player. Now, first of all, I'm going to call bullshit on that. You come at me with, he should be a team player. And I'm just going to put my hand in your face and say, go fuck yourself, you fucking imbecile. Because you don't know. First off, there ain't a single player in the Cowboys locker room mad at Zach Martin right now. Not a single goddamn one of them. These players all know the score. They know that if they don't get the money when they can get the money, that they're not going to get the money. Because it doesn't behoove Jerry and Stephen Jones for Pops and the kid to pay them. So if you got to hold out to get your money, get your money, big man. Hold out and get your money. And until they pay you, fuck them. And for anybody that says these players shouldn't hold out, they should be a team player, fuck you too. Because there is no being a team player in a league where you can be hurt tomorrow and your career is over. 
where your contract's not guaranteed, but a team wants you to stick to your contract. I got no time for that bullshit. So wipe your ass with some other what's the most different toilet paper. Get the fuck up out my camp on that shit. So no, I, Zach Martin, go get your money, big guy. Go get it all. Last thing I got. <laughs> I've been asked by everybody I know last couple of weeks. Hey, Bo, are you watching Quarterback? Hey, Bo, you watching Quarterback on Netflix? Hey, Bo, what do you think about Quarterback on Netflix? I'm going to tell you motherfuckers right now what I think about Quarterback on Netflix. I ain't watched a goddamn minute of it, and I don't plan on watching a minute of it. I'm hyped now. I might give you a this Gatorade and calm down for a second. All right. Why am I not watching quarterback on Netflix? Look, I love the NFL. I love football. I love all the content. I love hard knocks. I got an argument with Tyler Jones on his podcast just two weeks ago about how much he thinks hard knocks sucks, and I went, no. I love hard knocks. But I ain't watching this shit. And I'll tell you why I'm not watching quarterback. My understanding is that Quarterback is a show that follows three NFL quarterbacks. These three quarterbacks are Marcus Mariota, Kirk Cousins, and Patrick Mahomes. I take a long pause because if you know me, you know right now why I'm not watching this motherfucking show. I'm going to hit each of these one at a time. Marcus Mariota. Now look, if you listen to this podcast, you know I was defending Marcus Mariota one year ago. I was like, this is the one of the best read option quarterbacks of all time. Not quite Cam Newton good, but just this next level down, and the Falcons have done him wrong. But he's boring as fuck. I know a little bit about Marcus Mariota. I know he's boring as fuck, and he's a Falcon. They followed him with his team with time with the Falcons. So fuck him. I don't want to have anything to do with the Atlanta Falcons. So fuck him and fuck the Marcus Money No, You're out. Kirk Cousins. Again, if you follow this podcast, you know how I feel about Kirk Cousins. I have a line. I have been saying it for five fucking years. Every time that Kirk Cousins cashes a paycheck, that man is stealing money. Got more guaranteed money in the NFL than any other player in NFL history. I wouldn't trust that man to wash my fucking car. And I certainly wouldn't let him play quarterback on my fucking football team. I find him uninteresting. I don't care for all his Jesus bullshit. I, you know me. I ain't a religious guy. I don't want to hear it. So I'm going to go ahead and just say fuck him and keep it moving. Because I have no interest in anything he's down with. And then comes Patrick Mahomes. Woo! Hold him up in the sky. Lord have mercy. Patrick Mahomes. I've already said. I think Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback in the NFL today. He might be the most talented of all time. I think he's amazing. I think he is genuinely Probably a really nice and kind man. I've never heard a bad word spoken about him in public. And I've met some people who have met him and known him. I I bet he'd be fun to hang out with. 
I do. I think he might be genuinely, I think he's as genuinely a good guy as you're going to find in that situation. But God damn, that man is corny. And if you don't think he's corny, then you just don't know what motherfucking corny he is. But that dude is corny. Again, seemed like a real nice man. But he's corny. But the real reason I ain't going to put up with him, I was, I was close. I was close, y'all. I was close. And then I was on Twitter. And I saw the clip. I saw the clip, y'all. That fish-faced bitch and that annoying-ass voice was on the clip. And I was like, nope, I'm done. I can't stand her. I think I can't deal with her, Brittany Mahomes. I just can't deal with it. I'm happy for her. And all her success, she married a man with a good amount of money. Good for her. She's done some really nice things. Look, there's no doubt what she's done with the current and everything they're doing with that. Great. And I'm happy for her and I'm happy for everything. But that fucking voice is annoying. And how she behaves is annoying. And how she behaves is not how she should be behaving. Now, I won't say it. I don't think it's all her fault either. I think that Mahomes' daddy got a little something, a little problem there too. I saw a clip, and if you know a little something about Pat Mahomes, the baseball player, you know he ain't always been there either. So I think that Patrick being as stable as he is is kind of a goddamn miracle, honestly. But then there's the brother. I don't know if y'all all know this story. I met the brother. Well, let me rephrase that. I almost killed the brother a year and a half ago. As many of you know, my little part-time little side hustle, if you will. I go out there Uber drive here in Lawrence, Kansas every so often. The night of the national championship game, 2022. I'm driving up 14th Street by the, what they call the triangle, by the, by the college bars, 14th Street. It's halftime of the basketball game. And this goofy-looking motherfucker comes out the side of the goddamn the bull, we call it. Out the side of the bull, right in the middle of 14th Street. I slam on my brakes. I missed this motherfucker by three feet. And luckily, I was being careful. I was driving at a slow rate because I knew where I was at, and I knew this shit happens. And without driving at a normal rate, that motherfucker would have been dead as Dillinger. Got my window open. Hey, dude, go back in there. And then I realized who it is. And I just let him have it. Get your goofy dumb ass back in that goddamn bar. You about got hit, you dumb son of a bitch. I ain't got no time for that dude. Now, I have said for over a year that this all happened. There wouldn't have been a jury that would have convicted me. I should have just hit the gas. I should have hit the big gas pedal. I should have just rammed him. I bet even Patrick would have helped me pay for my legal fees. Might have served a little bit of time. But who knows? Could have done the world a favor. In the end, I'm not watching quarterback. Not for those three guys. Get me three more interesting people, I'll watch. But I'm not watching Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, and Mahomes' situation. Just not going to do it. So I did hear it's been renewed for season two. God bless Peyton Manning and his production company for getting a season two. Go get Joe Burrow and I'll watch it next season. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I'm not... Uh, I'm just not interested in quarterback. I will be watching the um, Hard Knocks 
with the New York Jets. If you haven't heard, it is the New York Jets. It's going to be hard knocks this year against the Jets' best efforts. The NFL came down to, since no one volunteered, they got to take a team, they picked a team, along with HBO, there's some rules involved, and they chose the Jets. Of course they chose the Jets, the whole Aaron Rodgers and everything else rule, and everything that's happening there. Um, I'm going to watch. We'll see what happens. Some of those are good. Some of them not so good. I liked last year's with the Lions. Um, I'm, I bought the Cowboys one two years ago. was real good. Uh, but I'm interested to see what happens with the Jets and Hard Knocks. So we'll check that out. I, I want to see if Aaron Rodgers is as batshit crazy as we all think he is. So we'll check that out. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that on the pod each week as we move forward. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here. But what I want to do, hey, I'm going to send you to the Twitter. Coach Bono Show on Twitter. Get in there. Get us. Get, follow us. We're going to have, we're going to be posting bets on there. Uh, if you're not with DraftKings yet, get into the show notes. Get that link. Get that $103 in extra bets. And, and, and join the Coach Bono's podcast group. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. I think we may even have some contests coming up. As I've been talking with DraftKings, and I've had to, done some cool shit with them recently, and we're talking about we get some folks in that group, I may be able to get you guys some, some gear, some things, some, some cool stuff from DraftKings. For some people who are doing some winning on DraftKings. So help us out. Um, I want to thank everybody for being patient with me the last couple of weeks. Again, I appreciate everything. I appreciate everybody for listening. Don't forget to rate us and review us. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, we appreciate every five-star review. So I want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox, for all they do behind the scenes. Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. I also want to thank those of you who have been shooting me with a text here or there or a tweet. Hey, how can we have her pie? Everything okay? Every one of you that has sent something, I appreciate you. If I haven't answered you back, I think I got most everybody, but if I haven't answered you back, thank you. I appreciate your worry. Don't worry. I'm back. We're going to be back this week. We may even have another pie with Ellen this week again. Ellen's going to be in here. I wanted to give her some time off as well. Uh, Uncle Rico's going to be getting back with us in a couple of weeks with some NFL stuff. P Money is going to be coming in in the fall to do NBA with us. My man Elwood Ott's going to be coming in doing some stuff with us. And we're going to have him talk about the foundation soon. So a lot going on. We've got a couple of guests possibly coming in soon as well. So get the feed. Tell your friends. Let's have some fun. And uh, thanks for listening to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast. So until next time, I'm Coach Bo, Ryan O'Connor. Have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care, everybody. Peace.